Hello and welcome to the Finder Flow radio show podcast. I'm your host, Winston Wittis, and I'm here today with a very special episode. Today's episode is called Watch Don't Ride the Roller Coaster. Watch Don't Ride the Roller Coaster. What does that mean? That means that in life and in business, sometimes there are emotional roller coasters that we might be tempted to ride. Sometimes we may be kind of almost forced to ride them in some respects. We may be thrown onto the roller coaster against our wills and uh, riding the ups and downs, the terrifying loop-de-loops, all these crazy things. So I'm sharing this particular topic because today something seemingly awesome is happening. And uh, so I've got this property under contract. And it is, uh, I, as um, so I purchased it first. I put it under contract as what's called a wholesale, meaning I'm purchasing the property. I was looking to possibly do a fix and flip on it or wholesale it to another investor that would want to do a fix and flip on it. Or if that didn't work and we couldn't get enough money to make that make sense for my client, then uh, then I would list it as a licensed agent here in California and I would help him sell it. So that's kind of where we're at with everything. And then um, we got an offer today that officially came in my email. And so on the one hand, that's super exciting. On the other hand, it's not closed until it's closed. And I've been on this rodeo before. It's not my first rodeo. It's not my first roller coaster. And so I was reminded by myself, come on, friend, by myself uh, not to ride the roller coaster. Because what happens is many times when we ride the roller coaster, it starts off on the awesome part. Woo, we're going to be on a roller coaster. I've been waiting in line for 10 hours. I finally get to go on the ride. And it's exciting. Oh, I got an offer. Yeah, I'm going to make money. Yay, I'm going to close a deal. Yay, these all seem like really great things. And they are. But it's not closed until it's closed. And there's a lot of things that can happen in a 30-day escrow. There's a lot of things in life that can happen when we are wanting something to go a certain way, when we're maybe even attached to the outcome of what we think that thing should look like how it should go, how someone should act. Whenever we have any kind of preconceived notions or expectations about something, we're kind of, in a way, almost setting ourselves up for possibly failure, possibly humiliation, possibly disappointment, right? Now, I also want to point out some... uh, dichotomy here because one of my my public service announcement for this podcast in case you're new to the show is I like to encourage people to use their blinker when driving use your turn signal and now that I think about it even while you're riding a bicycle maybe you don't have a, uh, a, a an official turn signal like you would on a car but you could use your hand turn signals and I would encourage you to do that why because 
one, it's the law in many areas, so that's just a good thing to do. Two, it's easy, it's free. Three, is a powerful practice because you are consciously indicating and signaling to the world around you, oh, I just saw a bicyclist do it. Sweet, and he just saved his own life because he almost got hit by that car. That was amazing. It works, friends, it works. That guy's still alive because he just told that car that he was cutting in front of them. And the car saw him at the barely last minute and slowed down. And then he gave the like, cool, thanks for not running me over hand signal back to him. That was that was a miracle. That was some flow, coincidence, serendipity right there. It works most of the time. That was awesome. Awesome. That got me stoked. But not too stoked because I'm not going to ride the roller coaster. There you go. It all comes full circle. See that, friends? See how this works? If I would have gotten so excited, I just went and ranted on about this the whole rest of the episode, well, I might have lost the, the whole point, the whole perspective. I might have gotten so excited that um, that maybe I did something stupid because I wasn't paying close enough attention. So this idea of not riding the roller coaster, it's actually, now that I think about it too, it's also a very stoic kind of uh, practice you know, or philosophy maybe because... It's like you don't get too high during the highs. You don't get too low during the lows. You kind of stay middle of the path. And on the one hand, it's like, well, then you're not living life, right? You're not like living life to the fullest. You're not experiencing everything fully. But I think the downside of that argument or philosophy is that you can burn out a heck of a lot faster. You know, if you're riding up to the top and you're feeling so high and you're so happy, well, for every high, there's a corresponding low. Right, you can't be high and excited and full of life and energy all the time, I don't think. And therefore at some point, you know, you're gonna go back the other way and at that point maybe it's like way harder and rougher. And I'm not just completely making this up on my own. This is a, a lot of stuff I've been reading lately too, both on business side stuff and more like and more like um human uh I guess just human studies, sociology, or uh, I'm reading a book called, it's by a guy named Robert Greene. I've read a couple of his books and I've really, really liked them. Um, definitely recommend his books, 48 Laws of Power. And there's one about something, number laws of seduction, which was cool. And then the one I'm reading now is uh, The Laws of Human Nature. So that book and then the book I just finished reading was uh, Great by Choice by Jim Collins. And that one... And then this other one by some other person, I don't remember his name, but it was called um, Conflict Communication, which was also about like conflict between people and, and, and violence and, um, you know, just social status and psychology and all sorts of cool stuff. So when um, we ride the roller coaster in the business, so like, so one example that kind of comes to mind is like in the business book, the uh, great by choice. He talks about the businesses that would try to really make a hard go at it when they had some kind of success, right? It's like, oh man, this year, you know, things are kind of lining up. Let's really go for it all. And they just go out and absolutely crush it, right? And they're just flying high and just like, yeah, this is the best year ever. We destroyed our goals, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then they compared it with these other companies that actually set a limit, a growth limit for themselves. And they compared, you know, and they, you know, I'm only going to just scratch the surface, obviously. This was, they went into 
crazy depth and detail in the book about how they came, you know, how they analyze these companies and stuff. So if you're interested, definitely pick up the book. Um, I'm just giving the, uh, you know, the Cliff Notes version here. And so they compared these companies, companies that did what they call a 20-mile march, which was kind of like the, the tortoise, the slow and steady. I'm not going to overexert myself during the good years. I'm always going to also hit a certain minimum, right? So I'm going to keep my minimum goal, like, hey, every year we're going to at least grow by this much or do this much in sales. And then we're also not going to grow by more than X amount or X percent because we don't want to overextend. Whereas the comparison companies are like, no, we, you know, we're just going to go for it. We're going to blow up. We're going to go as big and hard as we can, especially when it's good. We're going to double down. And and then they compared these companies over a long period of time to see how that played out. Like what was the most best strategy? And what ended up being really interesting was that the companies that had a top limit outperformed the companies that did not. Because what ended up happening is there's – and they factor in luck as part of this whole study. You know, how much did luck factor into uh, the success of these companies long term? And they found, too, that the luck did play a factor, both good luck and bad luck. Because the one the subject company versus the comparison company, the way they dealt with that luck was different. And so – it impacted them long term, and it kind of comes back to this idea of the uh, not overextending or getting too happy during the boom times, because then when the bad luck came around or the you know the momentum swung the other way, they didn't have the cash reserves, they didn't have the infrastructure, they didn't have the supplies to ride out the storm. Whereas the companies that scaled back and like you know just maintained their steady pace they were able to weather the storm and survive when uh, the comparison companies couldn't. So, and that was a really, I thought that was a really neat thing because the tortoise and the hare story, fable, is, um, you know, for me, I always just wondered like, okay, well, how accurate is that? The tortoise, I mean, you know, they say the tortoise wins in the story, but it seems like really the the hare would win, the rabbit would win. It's going to be much faster. That's the way I always thought about it. It's like I like the idea of the slow and steady, and I definitely myself feel um, like I'm a slow and steady person. You know, I'm always thinking long term and how is this going to play out over the next 5, 10, 20 plus years. And that's just my personal strategy and philosophy and whatnot. But so that was very reassuring for me to hear you know, this, these studies, to read these studies. And so I think it ties into this roller coaster idea because when we ride the emotional roller coaster, things that seem awesome, all of a sudden, you know, the deal falls through. Boom. Oh, man, that, you know, we've already spent the money sometimes. You know, it's like, oh, man, we had everything figured out. And it was, uh, you know, can't get the money back for these tickets to the thing. And, you know, all these kind of things that kind of end up catching us short if we're not prepared for the downturn. So, and I've seen it and I've personally done it. That's how I even learned about this phrase. My first, might have been my first or second, um, I think it was my first real estate deal was actually when I learned, heard this phrase from uh, one of my managers. Because my first real estate deal, you know, I uh, got the listing and it was super exciting, and I got it within my first 30 days as an agent. And I was like, oh, big shot, you know, because because I was a big deal to get a listing the first 30 days. 
And um, then it was like, oh, and then, uh, you know, started marketing and got a buyer lined up within the first open house. And that was amazing. And then, um, but then there was this, there was drama around the whole thing because of uh, just all this technical stuff and partner and this and that. And it just got really ugly for a minute. And, um, and then, but that kind of got resolved. And then, um, and then there was, uh, we were about to close. And uh, once you know, and we live in San Diego, where it like never rains, but then guess what? It rained that night. And why is that a big deal? Oh, because it rained so much that the patio rooftop filled with water and then literally crashed down in the backyard the day we were supposed to close. So now it's like this big thing, like, oh my gosh. And then it's like, oh, it's the end of the world, right? Because it was my first deal and everything was just confusing and scary and a big deal. And so, so anyway, all these ups and downs and ups and downs and they got exhausting, like emotionally draining, right? Because I was riding the emotional roller coaster. And then my manager said to me, watch the roller coaster, don't ride the roller coaster. And it's like, wow, way easier said than done but pretty darn cool idea, and it's helped me tremendously over the years. i got to admit, it really has, because as soon as I start to recognize, uh-oh, I'm riding the roller coaster, I'm getting too, I'm getting pretty excited about this. It's like, okay, let's tone it down. That's cool. I'm glad you're excited, Winston. That's great. And uh, let's keep it in perspective. You know, as exciting as this whole thing has been, it could very well disappear. It could dissolve, you know, overnight, right? Um that's just the reality of it. So let's keep things in perspective. And so that tempering of my own expectations and my own emotions for me personally helps a tremendous amount. And so that's what I wanted to share with you because um, this I also share this with students sometimes. So again, if you're new to the show, I'm a full-time marketing consultant. So I teach marketing, online marketing, internet marketing, uh, primarily to real estate investors. And so they have ups and downs. You know, life keeps happening. Uh, people die. People get hurt. All these crazy things because life just goes on. And and so it's a, a matter of, you know, sometimes they, they don't want to do the call because they're too upset or they're too burnt out or they're too tired or they didn't get enough done and they feel bad about it. And so it's up to me to kind of uh, remind them and reel them in like, hey, I know that's not what you're expecting. You're expecting that you're going to start this and you're going to be a millionaire by the end of the day, right? And that that hasn't happened yet. And so, um, you know, let's uh, sit back and, oh, I know you thought you had that deal and then you didn't. And so now here we are and you're sounding pretty down. But, hey, that's, this is all part of it. Watch the roller coaster. Don't ride the roller coaster. So it can be applied to all sorts of things. And... That's kind of the uh, the big news for today, and I think that we've touched on a lot of aspects of it. Let's maybe think of one more one more application where something like this could uh, play out. So we've talked about finance business, I think, a good amount. What about talk about health? Let's, yeah, let's do some health ones. So weight loss is always a big thing, right? And uh, in case you guys don't know. I recently, or over the last year, not super recent, but I'm still in the process of this whole body shifting. I've lost over 40 pounds, about 40 pounds now. And um, 
and it was a long process, you know, and I learned a whole heck of a lot because the last time I had to lose a lot of weight, I started training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and that helped me and it kicked my butt and I lost the weight because before that I wasn't really getting any good kind of exercise. I was going to the gym, but not like doing any kind of cardio or whatever. I don't know. It just it was not working for me. So I joined Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, part of the whole thing with that is because I was literally getting my butt kicked by people, I couldn't drink as much alcohol because drinking alcohol and then the next day going and literally fighting people, it turns out that that's not, especially when you're my age, um, it's not as easy. It's not, it's not a happy, fun thing. It feels pretty crappy actually. So it eventually just like I stopped doing it, stopped drinking so much and that helped a lot. And I stopped eating so much because then I realized like, oh, I can't eat before I go and train because then I'll be sick or I'll be too slow or lethargic or whatever. So it forced me to start eating better. So I lost a lot of weight that way. Then when I put weight on again, when we had our second child, this time I wasn't able to train as much. So I had to really figure out how to eat right. And with that, it's kind of an emotional roller coaster because I like food. I like beer. I like I like food and beer together. And if you told me I had to quit one of them or both of them or cut significantly back, I'd be pretty cranky about that. And I had to tell myself that, Winston, you want to lose this weight? You want six-pack abs, which I'd never had before? Then guess what? You're going to have to uh, cut out so much beer drinking and cut out all these burritos that you eat. Not all of them, but at least a significant amount of them. And that was really sad. But then I started thinking, you know what, though? I can do it. I've done it before. I've weighed less before. I've been healthier before. Okay, let's not ride this roller coaster. But then I would start eating good, right? And then I'd weigh myself. And so I'd be, like, proud of myself. Woo, yeah, it's so great. I'm eating great. Yeah, it's awesome. And then I'd weigh myself. And it's like, oh, dang it. Dang it, I've been starving this whole week and I haven't lost any freaking weight. Are you kidding me? And I'd be at the bottom of the roller coaster, right? The cruddy part. And then then like somehow I'd like be like, Well, screw it and then I'd eat stuff and then all of a sudden I'd lose the weight and it's like, Woohoo, yeah, it worked. I could just eat whatever and I'm gonna lose the weight. It doesn't matter what I really eat. And um, you know, so I'd be on on the upswing again. Yeah, this is amazing. Look, I drank beer and I had a burrito and I still lost weight. I'll just eat burritos and beer all day because this is amazing. And then I did that for like three months and it like it actually did well by the time I got to the burrito diet, that's a different part of the story. Yeah. The burrito diet was legit. So I got to the point where like, you know, I'd lost a good amount of weight and I was kind of just trying to dial it in a bit more and I was really excited and I was still, you know, riding the roller coaster in some days because it's like, Well, I wanna eat burritos and I freaking love burritos. And so I figured out, like, well, back in the day when I was way overweight, I used to eat two burritos at a time. And now, uh, you know, it turns out if I want to maintain my weight, I can only eat half a burrito at a time. Gosh darn it. That's a significant amount less burritos at a time. And I got really sad about it. But then I had this great idea. Well, you know what? I it, salsa doesn't have many calories and neither do those spicy carrots that are so delicious. 
And so I started eating those. And then, of course, you know, I had to have some chips to go along with the salsa. And so um, so I was like, oh, you know, happy roller coastering. Until uh, somebody pointed out all those chips that I thought somehow didn't count with my for my calorie intake. Uh, he pointed out that they actually do count and that I was eating like an extra three or four tortillas with my meals because of these tortilla chips. It's like, darn it. Then I got all emotionally bummed out about that. But anyway, the point being that as I was able to disconnect from the emotional attachment I had to food and get more focused on the big picture, I want to lose weight and I want to have six-pack abs, it became easier and easier for me until now it's automatic and natural. And now I feel like crud when I overeat and I look forward to the days when I'm back on my diet. I still like to do it and binge and go crazy on the weekends sometimes. But I also feel awesome when I get back into my regular, super clean, healthy eating weekly meals. So let's do one more. Yeah, I think that's it. That's it. We've had enough, friend. We know what to do. Don't ride the roller coaster. Just watch it from a distance. Don't get emotionally attached. Don't get too up or too down. Just be. Just watch it. Put a little bit of space between you and those emotions and see how that works out for you. Okay? And until next time, you know, be flowing.